The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. As the saying goes, a good thing doesn't last forever. Well, welcome back to the Whistler While You Retire podcast. Host Tim Whistler has titled this episode, What Happens After a Sugar Rush? And he's going to focus on topics that, well, they may not be fun to talk about, but they are important to understand. I'm Patrice Sakora. Tim, exactly what sugar rush are you referring to? <laughs> well, the sugar rush, you know, what usually comes to mind is you think about, you know, what the kids enjoy after they go trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah. And one, <laughs> one of my favorite all-time situations and, and stories to share with people is back a few years ago when our oldest son, Cameron, I think he was maybe four or five when, when this, this, for this particular story, um, you know, typical trick-or-treat night. Um, we come back from doing tr trick-or-treating there in, in grandpa's neighborhood. And of course, now we're sorting through the candy and, you know, kind of divvying up what Cameron is allowed to have that night, right? <laughs> Obviously, he'd go through the whole thing. But, you know, we kind of go through our thing and, and he's enjoying his, you know, some of his treats and playing with some toys there at grandpa's house. And, and uh, he kind of pauses for a little bit to sit down and, and read a book. So he's sitting there on the floor. Now, mind you, he's had already some candy mm -hmm. sitting there on the floor. He's kind of starting to slow down a little bit. And we're sitting nearby at the table playing games, whatever it is we were doing. And all of a sudden, we hear this little thud. And we look over, and Cameron oh, no. <laughs> has just literally fallen off over to the side and kind of fell asleep. I mean, he, then he kind of woke himself back up. But it just cracked us all up because, you know, here's this kid who already has enough energy, you know, that he could run circles around the Tasmanian devil. Yes. You know, he, but and now he's on sugar high, you know, and then he just literally crashed from this, you know, because he was either a combination of being so tired from the trick-or-treating to everything he did that day, or maybe it was a, a combination of the sugar he had. So, you know, so we talk about a sugar rush. I like, I like to kind of spin that and talk about what is going on today. You know, in, we look at the economy. I want to talk on four specific things. Okay. And then at the very end, I'm going to talk about how we can take advantage of what's going on with everything that's that's happening today. Well, please, you just used a word when you were talking about the end of a sugar rush that we really don't like to use in financial circles. Correct. That's a crash. Yep. Okay, let's not use crash. <laughs> right. Uh, but but what do you see that that is happening today that you uh, you say is similar to a sugar rush? So let's look at the stimulus spending that that we've seen here in the country over the last 12 months or so. You know, towards the end of President Trump's tenure. I think he spent something like two point something trillion. And then in the first part of his administration, Biden has spent, you know, just a little bit less of two trillion. But I, I think they just throw around the dollar amounts of in trillions much too carelessly. And I think the average person, I mean, over time, we've just become so desensitized to all this spending. So let's let's look at trillion. What actually is a trillion? What does hmm. it even mean? So, you know, if, if we were doing this with the element of video you know, being able to provide some video aids would truly help us. So since this is just all audio and we're just listening, let me try to do it in the element of creating a picture. So let's talk about the element of time. So let's start with a million, for example, a million mm -hmm. seconds. If we started right now, we kind of do a million. It'd take you about 11 and a half days. Okay. 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 
takes, it takes a little while to get to a million when you count by seconds. <laughs> a billion seconds. They're going to count to a billion. So what's a billion? A billion is a thousand millions, right? 32 years from now, you'll be there. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Expand just a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, oh, I can only imagine what trillion is. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yep. So a trillion seconds is 32,000 years. Wow. So they keep throwing around trillions of dollars. So let's look at what if they took $1 trillion and divided it amongst the entire U.S. population? So the U.S. population is right around, what, 330 million, give or take? So if you took a trillion dollars and you divide it, every person in the population, your grandkids, everybody in between, would receive about $3,000. $3, now, <clears throat> I'm not a math genius, but <laughs> with the recent stimulus that, was just going, that just went out, um, a few Americans received $1,400. Right. So anyway, we, we won't go too detailed here. But anyway, my point is a trillion is massive. It's a massive amount of money. And which leads me to my second point where I want to talk about the debt, the debt that we have in this country. You know, if, if you're there in New York, you can see that clock that's constantly. Oh, spinning, yes. Oh, which yeah. is really kind of a cool thing. To, I mean, cool. Okay, let's use that term loosely. It's 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 there for us to look at. But for those of us who are not in, in New York, go to a website. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to pause here for a second. If you're driving, <laughs> please do not go here while you're driving. <laughs> and if you're listening at home, sit down before you go here. Because if you've not seen this before, I'm just trying to throw out a word of caution. So you go to the website called usdebtclock.org. And when you land on this page, you're going to see a lot of numbers spinning. Well, the first number you're going to see is in the upper left-hand corner where it says U.S. national debt. Now, right now, it's sitting a little over $28 trillion. Okay. Trillion. Trillion, trillion with, a T. with a T. So as I was preparing for this webcast, I got out my stopwatch on my phone, and I started it when it hit a, million, when it hit a certain million dollars, and then stopped it when it hit the next million it took 22 seconds. Oh, wow. So by the end of our 30-minute podcast or so, the debt will have increased by another $81 million. Okay. Then you look further at the screen and you look at Social Security, right? Social Security, the liability of that is over $21 trillion and climbing. Mm -hmm. You look at Medicare, $32 trillion and climbing. Um, you know, you keep looking at these numbers, and one of the things that is really jumps out at, off the page to me is that the U.S. has more liabilities than assets. Now, if we bring this down to our level, to the average John and Jane Doe household, can they go into retirement with more liabilities than assets and, and survive? No. Absolutely not. We can't. You know, and, and you look at one more detail further into the equation is that of that 330 million or so population, only 125 million, about 38% of the population even pays income taxes. So my point is the debt is very serious. It's not going down, it's increasing. Spending has just gotten out of control. So that's not a good thing, all right? Hmm. The third one, and, and trust me, there's more good news coming here shortly. So we'll just <laughs> kind of hit on this because this is, this is something for us to be very aware of what's going on. The third one is what we call a debt to GDP ratio. Now, I'm not gonna go into a great amount of topics on this one or greater detail on this topic because no one wants an economics lesson. And I certainly don't want to relive my days of when I've earned my economics degree, but you know, I certainly believe that government officials could use an economic lesson, but we'll save that phone for another time too. You know, so the GDP, 
The GDP stands for gross domestic product, and it's made up of four components, consumer spending, business investment, government spending, and net exports. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, let's look at consumer spending because we all love to spend. Consumer spending con contributes about, about 70% of the total U.S. production. So back in 2019, that equated about $13 trillion, again with a T, in dollars. Right? So it's a good thing. When, when consumers are spending money, that's good for the economy. You know, it's, it's no wonder there are so many self-storage units in the United States as well. <laughs> you, know, you go around and look at neighborhoods, they're everywhere, right? Yes. We spend money on the things, whether we need them or not, we're going to go buy that thing, then we're going to put it in storage, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's good. It's good for the economy because when we spend, we as consumers, what's it do? Well, it, it generates tax revenue. It generates mm -hmm. business revenue. We're supporting businesses from goods and services. And it strengthens employment rates, right? If we're out there spending money and people need to produce more to keep up with the demand, they need to hire people. So it's a good thing when people are consuming it. They just want to do it, obviously, within their means. But here's the current issue that very few people understand. And, and here's what I'm talking about, the debt to the GDP ratio. So the current ratio today is higher than what it was at the end of World War II. Back in 1946, right after we came out of World War II at the end of 45. The debt-to-GDP ratio was 118%. Not good. No. But it started to drop because what happened at the end of World War II, our economy started to recover. Exactly. We started producing. Yeah. And the ratio came down. In 1960, it dropped down to 53%. In 1980, it was at 34%. And it, it maintained the in a 30 percentile race, you know, range for a number of years. And in two, even in 2000, it was at 58%. But what happened back in 2007, right before the mortgage bubble burst, we reached what the World Bank called the tipping point. Okay. And since that time, now we've been ever, we've been as high as we ever have been. Now we're over 129% of the debt to GDP ratio. It's yeah. just not a, it, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just said, hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, that we have to think about, but understanding that it's not about the numbers because our minds just kind of you know, get lost in the numbers a little bit. And I don't want to, I don't want to do that to anybody. I just want them to understand that we're not on a good trend here. We've got too much debt going on compared to what our country's trying to generate, again, with the elements of a GDP. The fourth thing is how will the market react to all this? You know, in, in years past, if you look at the trend of the stock market, you know, prior to the year 2000, the performance of the stock market kind of looked like a ski jump, right? Just slow, steady, kind of rising. Right, right. We hit 2000. The new millennium flipped over. Now, all of a sudden, it turned into a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. It, you know, it's it's like it's it's used to – I even used to use the term that used to be volatile. Now, I kind of call it hyper. It, it just seems like it just bounces all over the place, literally like a two-year-old on sugar. It's just everywhere. It's all over the place. So, my question as we go through these four elements is – are we on a sugar rush right now with our economy, or is it truly real? But so much has changed. I mean, we could argue the U.S. is no longer a producing nation. Right. The way we, we make our livings is so different. Mm -hmm. Government spending has really increased dramatically. Yep. And well, where do we go? Do we, do we change? Do, we don't export quite as much. Right. We import. So, so help me here. What, what can we do? 
Well, it, we need to break it down to the level that we can control to our own, you know, in, inside, in, within our walls of our financial household. That's what we can, can, can do about this. So mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm really trying to drive home here is understanding that at some point, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, and this is all economics. It's all math. At some point, though, there's going to be some type of an adjustment, okay? How can we take advantage of the situation if, and I'll say when, that adjustment happens? Well, this is how we take advantage of it. The markets are at all-time highs. They continue just to increase and increase and increase. Now, I, I don't know how sustainable this is. Again, I'm not going to try to argue that point or anything like that. It's just a matter of it, it is what it is. If you put money in the stock market and it grows and you take it out, well, do you have a gain? Sure. But here's what I'm trying to encourage people to think about. Take advantage of what's going on. Lock in your win. Let's make zero your hero. So, for example, this is something that I've always encouraged people to understand when it comes to looking at a retirement account. And it's this. It's not how much you earn. It's how much you keep. Yes. I remember that episode. That <laughs> right. episode in, of your podcast. That's right. And, and I say that, I mean, since when, when the market did take a major dip about this time last year in 2020, when the coronavirus outbreak came out, everything started right. shutting down, the market adjusted. It was at that point that I went back into the radio studio and re-recorded a message to kind of make sure that people understood that phrase. And I've not changed the message now in over a year because it is, it is, it's connecting to people. Yes, let's look at the stock market. It has grown and grown and grown. Chances are your account is at all-time highs. So what exactly have you earned at this point? But before you answer this, this is something to think about. When the market corrects, how much of those gains will you be giving back? Mm-hmm. Because the only way we can truly enjoy that growth is what do we have to do. We have to either sell it, move it somewhere else. The point of it is, if it still sits in that same vehicle where it can go up and it can go down, how much of that have we truly kept? So I'm going to go back to what we've talked about before in the past, making zero your hero. Here's what I mean by that. I have clients who are taking advantage of these bullish markets because those accounts are completely sheltered if the market decides to go the other way. It doesn't matter if the market goes down 5, 10, 30%. Doesn't matter. Their principal and their previous gains are all sheltered from that adjustment. Mm-hmm. But that's only half the story, Patrice. And here's the best half of that story because usually what happens after the market adjusts? It takes off again. It recovers, right? We have a nice recovery. So when that recovery happens, my clients are positioned to be able to capture a portion of that growth, which again gives them the opportunity to continue to build upon the value of that account. Okay. So it's it's one of those situations where as we look at what's going on, as, as we look at Okay, the government just keeps writing stimulus money. You know, it, it reminds me of that scene in the movie Top Gun, you know, where, where Goose and Maverick are in, in that office, you know, on that ship. And, and he looks at Maverick and he says, son, your body's or your ego's writing checks. Your body can't cash. Right? <laughs> I just I love that phrase, you know, but I think about that in terms of where we're at today. The, the government just keeps writing check after check after check. And they're printing more money and printing more money and printing more money. Okay, so they're stimulus spending. They're, we've got the debt. The debt to GDP ratio is not good. The markets continue to do whatever they're going to do. My point is, take advantage of what's going on. And we can utilize what's going on by, you know, in, in, in informing ourselves and educating ourselves to understand that, well, look, the market is really doing really well. I'm gonna, I want to capture some of this, but how do I do it? CDs aren't paying anything. 
That's for sure. Money markets aren't paying anything, mm-hmm. right? Th- th- yes, they're safe. Yes, they're, they're going to protect the value that are in those accounts, but we still need to kind of maybe keep pace with, I don't know, taxes and or inflation. So you're talking about being in a safer place yep. and benefiting from that, not sitting in a, a money market. As you say, it is safe, but what are you going to get for it? Exactly. And this is something that we've talked about before in previous episodes where we talked about when you're in this product, you have the ability to earn some of the up, but avoid all of the down. And it was created nearly 30 years ago for the for that CD-minded, owner, those CD owners, that the mindset of a CD owner. They do not want anything to do with the stock market. They wanted mm-hmm. safety and they wanted some liquidity. So they went down to the local bank, they got a CD maybe of 10, 12, 14%, maybe a free toaster as they walked out. <laughs> but then what has started to happen to interest rates? Interest rates started going down. And the toasters went the away. toasters went away, <laughs> right. So now we're at that element where you've got this entire group of people, millions and millions of people that you know went through you know, maybe maybe they remember, maybe they remember stories that mom and dad told them of what the Great Depression was like. So they saved every rubber band. They saved every plastic bag because everything was valuable to them. And they understood the value of saving dollars. Well, when CD interest rates started going down, those people were left without a place to go. And that's then when this product was born. Because the life insurance companies who developed this product said, look, we've got this, pe- we've got this entire group of people who want nothing to do with the stock market, but they need to have the opportunity to earn more interest than what's being paid by a bank. How do we do that? Well, this is exactly what I'm talking about. We have the ability to take advantage of rising markets and avoid when the markets decide to go the other way. And as you said, right now, the market, we don't know where it's going. It's volatile. It is, as you say, active, hyperactive in some cases. Yep. It, it's really kind of hard to figure right now. So, so again, I don't, I don't sit here and try to argue the point with anybody about the mark, what the market's going to do today, or do it tomorrow, or do next right. week. The point of it is, take advantage of what's going on. And here's how we can do that: if you've got an old 401k, or maybe you're getting ready to ret- to retire, and you will soon have access to that 401k from the employee you've worked at for the number of years, or maybe you've got an IRA sitting somewhere else. This episode is for you because has it grown over the past number of years? Yeah, probably so. If you've got it in some type of account that's exposed some, somewhat to the market, it's probably grown pretty well lately and everybody's happy about that. But let's not fall into that false sense of security thinking it's going to continue to go on because it may not. Okay. So what do we do? Well, here's what I'll encourage you to do if, if, as you're listening in. Take some time to check out the U.S. debt clock. You know, not, not just to, not to scare yourself half to death, but just to be aware, be informed of what's going on and then go over to another, you know, open up another web browser and go to my website, go to www.thewhistleragency.com. And if you scroll down just a little bit down the page, you'll see where there's a, a spot in there where you can provide your contact information and I will ship you a book. This book that I hold in my hand right here, it's called Stress-Free Retirement. Uh, I met the author about 10 years ago. He's published several books. This book is one of the easiest books to read when it comes to understanding what it is we're talking about as you're listening through these podcasts and saying, okay, what does Tim mean by zero is my hero? And and how can I capture the growth of the stock market, but yet still avoid the downs? This is a great resource. So again, I just encourage the listener to go out. I'd be happy to to ship the book to you. Um, And we can have a conversation after that, kind of get your thoughts on it and see if it's a good fit or not. And what's your website again, Tim? www.thewhistler, 
agency.com. And there is no T in Whistler. There is no T in Whistler. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Tim, thank you so much for bringing to our attention all these facts we might otherwise tend to ignore. Um, and I will say, folks, subscribe to Whistler While You Retire. Get an alert when new podcast episodes are ready. But as Tim was mentioning, go back, listen to the other ones, the ones before this, and really understand what Make Zero Your Hero means. Of course, share with friends, colleagues, and family as well. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. Fixed index annuities are designed to meet long-term needs for retirement income, and they provide guarantees against the loss of principal and credited interest and offer the reassurance of a death benefit for your beneficiaries. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company.